Hello and welcome back to the Pitchside podcast. Coming up this week, we have dodgy VAR decisions in the Premier League to the Clash of the Titans in the Milan derby. Joining me this week is the footballing expert, Toby Green. How are you? I'm very well, mate. Uh, even better after watching United play quite well against Arsenal. So yeah, in a good mood. How are you, mate? Yes. Yeah, very well, thank you. Um, excited by a pod in the week. We did a roundup of the full transfers window. Did a roundup for people that want to need a roundup. Absolutely. Check it out. It's got all the uh, transfers of the biggest teams uh, in the Premier League and also clubs across Europe. So worth a listen. Back to this pod, let's get straight on to the news. So it comes as probably not a shock to many people. Uh, the first Premier League sacking is Scott Parker. Uh, Toby may have got this one wrong in our bet uh, going for Frank Lampard. But yeah, Scott Parker has lost his job after his 9-0 defeat to Liverpool. Yeah, me and Joe made a, a bet prior to the start of even the transfer window to be honest and we decided uh who is going to be first to be sacked in terms of Premier League managers I went for Lampard uh Everton and yeah Joe went for Parker and Parker's the first one to be sacked so I do owe Joe now a, a nice crisp pint we'll get onto that I guess when I meet up with him but yeah not the best thing for for Bournemouth in a way because you know they backed Parker in the championship but you know getting into the Premier League they didn't have the um perhaps the funding that he required to to take the team where he wanted. And in all these press conferences, he seemed quite dejected, particularly uh, after the 9-0 defeat. He uh, he was asked, is this the, the worst it can get? And he basically said, I don't think it will be the worst. So yeah, the board basically didn't like his comments. His attitude kind of stunk and he was, he was fired. And Bournemouth have since played a lot better. They've got a clean sheet recently. And uh, a win, so yeah, positive sacking, I guess. Not for not for Barker though. So do you, so do you reckon he got sacked because of this nine nil defeat, or is it the comments that he made? So if he didn't make those comments after the game, he would still be in a job, or would he have got sacked anyway due to this nine nil defeat? It's a great question. We've seen Hasselhutel, uh get two nine nil defeats in his career at Southampton and still remain in the job, and yeah. I... <laughs> Perhaps it was a way that, you know, Liverpool weren't in the best of forms leading up to that game. So perhaps it was a little bit unexpected to get 9-0. Um, although they were definitely the better team uh, on paper going into it. Uh, but mainly I think it is the comments that he made. Um, you know, he didn't have much faith. It, it appeared in, in the players, in the recruitment uh, and, and in the chances of staying in the Premier League. And you don't really want that from manager because it, you know, trickles down into the squad. So yeah, I think it was mainly the comments and, and the attitude that he had. Yeah, it's going good for Bournemouth. Played two games since the second of Scott Parker and are undefeated. Got a draw in midweek and then beat Forest this weekend. So yeah, it looks like they've bounced. Maybe he had a negative atmosphere, um, but time will tell. They still probably are favourites to get relegated, so it will see whether they can change people's mind, minds. But Elsewhere, um, PSG have been one of eight clubs to be fined by European football governing body UEFA 
uh, after breaching financial fair play rules. So I believe they've been ordered to pay 10 million euros, which is 8.6 million pounds after they broke the break even rule, which I think is where they spend more money than they actually get income in the last few years or three years. UEFA has told 19 other clubs that they will be monitoring them closely and this does include some Premier League teams which are Chelsea, Leicester, City and West Ham and also Scottish club Rangers have been included on this list. The seven other clubs to make financial contributions are AC Milan, Inter Milan, Roma, Juventus, Besiktas, Marseille and Monaco. What's your thoughts on this? Well, you know, it's nice to see FIFA taking action against uh, clubs breaking FFP. Um, it's UEFA. It was UEFA, not FIFA. Or UEFA, um, whoever it may be, because um, we've seen a lot of clubs go and spending a sprees and not really seen the, the consequences of, of, you know, having unlimited funds. Um, and I know in PSG's case, you know, if they, you know, continue not complying with FFP, they could be fined up to 65 million euros, which is, you know, is for them, it's probably a drop in the ocean, but, you know, it is still a decent amount of money and they don't want to lose that. So maybe it'll sort of draw their attention to be more complacent uh, with the rules. Um, yeah, and there's a few other clubs, you know, I think um, for Marseille and Monaco, they had to pay 300k. So that's not too much for them and probably won't deter them in the long run. I don't know how much impact this would really have on, on clubs and their spending going forwards. No, so just to clarify, the looks like the years that were looked at are 2018, 19, 20, 21 and 22. So obviously three years of that were due, due to COVID. So a lot of clubs didn't have fans in their state, stadium, which is a big part of their income. So this could have an, that they could have a bounce back effect with fans now being back in the stadiums, their revenue is going to be up. So it could be that they don't break these rules that further down the line. But in total, the fines for the eight clubs is 26 million euros, which is 22.5 million pounds. But it could total up to 172 million euros, which is 149 million pounds. Mm, that, I mean, it's a good point about the, the coronavirus and not having the fans in there. But the teams that are being fined are the, the some of the biggest teams in Europe, um, and they shouldn't have had issues surrounding not having that extra little bit of income from uh, ticket sale revenues. So the clubs that you know are lower down in the leagues, who are probably more affected by not having fans in the clubs, uh, turning up and paying for tickets, um, they're the ones you might expect to be breaking FFP because that'd be a larger portion of their their revenue but yeah it's a bit shameful on the bigger clubs i don't think ffp is a deterrent at all to spending over your your means and especially when the the repercussion is to pay a fine well these rich clubs it's not really a you know deterrent for them you know when their pockets are deeply lined so Yet move on to something a bit more positive and let's talk about the Premier League from this weekend. So we've had the sixth round of fixtures, I believe, and uh, let's go through the scores. So on September 
the third, which was Saturday. Everton played Liverpool in the Merseyside derby that ended 0-0. Brentford beat Leeds 5-2. Chelsea got a lucky win 2-1 against West Ham. Newcastle Palace ended 0-0. Bournemouth mount, mounted a comeback from 2-0 down to win 3-2. Tottenham beat Fulham 2-1. And on to Wolverhampton was 1, Southampton 0. Aston Villa held Man City to a draw at one all, And fixtures from the Sunday, Brighton beat a disheartened Leicester 5-2. And Man Chester United, as Toby's already alluded to, has beaten Arsenal 3-1, which is Arsenal's first defeat of the Premier League season. A lot of games, a lot of goals, a lot of dodgy decisions. Um, where would you like to start? Let's start at the Merseyside derby. Nil-nil um, uh, between Everton and Liverpool. Uh, a, a quite, you know, obviously a historic fixture between the two clubs. And I think one of you know, leading up to this, maybe a few weeks ago, one would imagine Liverpool to absolutely smash this game, even though they had a, a reasonably tumultuous start to the Premier League. Um, but it's just a, a sign of how well Everton have done in the window. I feel like they brought in um, really good quality players, Premier League quality players. Connor Cody and Tarkowski have been pretty solid at the back for them. I think Alex Iwobi has actually been silently a, a phenomenal um transition from a winger into a central midfielder a, a lot of people go on about Joe Linton's move from striker to centre mid for Newcastle and that is um, an astonishing astonishing transformation for him but also Alex Iwobi he's, a, he's got like a an energy in midfield like he never stops running and um, it's nice to see sort of rejuvenation uh, of his career because when he moved from Arsenal and uh, the following seasons with Everton the amount they paid from about thirty million pounds was deemed well over the odds, and he wasn't really contributing much. Um, but Lampard actually has sort of moved him into a box-to-box sort of position, and yeah, he seems to be really affecting games uh, wherever he may be. Um, also, you know, the other signings they brought in: Nil Nil Mopay seems like quite a sensible buy. Adrissa Gay on a free from PSG. He knows the club very well. That's sort of where he made his name originally. And also Anthony Gordon, um, not not a signing they've made, um, but a player who's in really good form. I know Chelsea were sniffing after him during the window, um, but he's been in great form recently. Uh, he's got two goals um, in six games, but you know, as a not a uh, out and out striker, he's he's a winger essentially, but playing sort of a centre forward role, covering um, for the injured Calvert Lewin. He's done it fantastically well, and you know, he's got a player. Everton have got a player with you know, high potential, so it'd be great to see how his career develops. And I'm kind of glad that he did say Everton because he will get the minutes and it really will help his his development. Um, but in, in terms of Liverpool, they'll be very disappointed. They haven't really looked convincing, apart from that uh, Bournemouth game that we talked about earlier, but they, they haven't looked great at all. I think Van Dijk's had one of his worst starts this season in a long time. I mean, you can say that about a lot of the squad, but they do have a lot of quality still, young quality coming through. Harvey Elliott, Fabio Carvalho, they both look quality. Carvalho got the late goal against Newcastle earlier in the week. Um, and yeah, we haven't seen much of Salah though at all. Um, so yeah, a few worrying signs from Liverpool. No, it's um, they're kind of struck by this seven-year curse that Jurgen Klopp has in his uh, seventh season at every club. Whether this will come true or not, 
time will tell but yeah <laughs> it's normally a two-year curse with most managers but seven-year curse mm. well i don't know so but yeah there was a there was a lot of shots um obviously connor cody had a disallowed goal for being offside um but yeah there was a lot of i think uh yeah jordan pickford turned Nunes's shot onto the bar Fabinho, Fabinho had three shots on occasions. Mo Salah hit the post. Yeah, it was. It's not as clinical as Liverpool are usually are, but yeah, it looked a very end-to-end game. Uh, Everton came up to match there, but yeah, it was good to see the solidarity of um, everything that's happened in Liverpool. The both fans coming together. Um, and celebrating, but then I think there was also there's been an Everton fan banned as well due to some, something that happened off the pitch as well. So mm. classic Merseyside derby. Yeah, well, I wouldn't put it down as a classic, but yeah, it is the how it normally goes. I think we should have mentioned the Brentford game as well because that was a very interesting game. Brentford in a phenomenal form as well, a bit like Brighton at the moment. You know, you could say they're overachieving. I really think Ivan Tony is in line for a spot in the England squad if he continues his form. In this game, he was 11 out of 10. Absolutely phenomenal. His finishing was impeccable. He scored some phenomenal goals. Uh, he almost had four, actually. Uh, but he got the hat-trick in the end. Um, scored a nice free kick. He's got everything, to be honest. He's tenacious. Um, five goals in six Premier League starts uh, in six games in total. And two assists as well. That's not a bad return at all for anybody. Um, so yeah, phenomenal. Um, and Leeds can be maybe a little bit disappointed. They were definitely in line to get a penalty, um, which wasn't given. It wasn't checked by VAR either. And, uh, Marsh got sent off a red card to the American. Um, but yeah, I don't know. There's positive signs from Leeds. Sinistera scored a beautiful goal where he, you know, um, sort of juggled it over the defender and took it on the, the half volley. Uh, which went into the, the back corner. So, yeah, I, I'm in, I'm impressed by both teams this season, to be honest. Brentford have, you know, strengthened quite well um, in the window. Bringing Ben Mee was a sensible signing. And uh, Aaron Hickey looks like he's fitted quite well. But Leeds as well, I like their signings. They've lost two of the um, phenomenal players um, earlier on in the window, but they've strengthened well. And, you know, a lot of people did tip them for the relegation zone, but I think they'll be pretty pretty safe this this window, this uh, this season. Yeah, people people doubted um, Jesse Marsh. Um, I believe you were one of them. Um, you doubted him at the start. Um, but yeah, he looks like he's made some decent signs, brought in players that he knows. So that's always a good sign for a manager that brings in players that will suit his system. And it looks to be working. Obviously, they got that 3-0 victory over Chelsea. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, they look to be up and they look to be fighting a lot of the clubs this season look to be sort of it's going to be a very tight season um especially if the bigger teams dropping points quite easily uh, especially if like liverpool and city and yeah. even arsenal have dropped points now as well so it's going to be it's going to be a very tight season and i i don't think it's going to be as high point scoring as many our previous seasons i agree i agree i would say though on that point that you did make about Marsh bringing players he does know. That yeah, as you said, that really does help, and and it, it shows. You know, he's brought in players from from Salzburg, um, and you know from the American setup as well. But also, you know, players that have had a a great season last year. Sinisteria was on the world stage in the um, 
uh, in the final of the Europa League. Um, so yeah, I, it definitely does help that. And, you know, maybe I did doubt him initially, but these sensible signings have yeah, really convinced me that Leeds can make a good stake in the in the Premier League this year. So yeah, be good ones to watch out for, as well as Brentford as well, who are, you know, on a phenomenal run and hopefully they'll keep it up. Mm. Um, I know you mentioned in this league game there was a dodgy VAR decision, <laughs> but it probably is overshadowed by what happened in the Chelsea game um, with West Ham. Chelsea got the victory, um, which most Chelsea fans will be happy with. Um, obviously, previously, a couple of weeks ago, they've got a dodgy decision against for VAR um, against Tottenham, which cost them the win. So many Chelsea fans will probably think this is like a payback from VAR, giving them the win, giving them the three points. But again, it's cost West Ham. Um, West Ham are down in relegation i believe at the moment really far down the table yeah 18th. um so yeah well i mean it wasn't a it wasn't a foul on mendy um it should have gone in it should have ended in a draw so yeah, yeah so essentially basically mendy came out to clear it and he did punch it out um but the west ham uh attacker did clip him going down and then it fell to i think maxwell Cornet who, who rounded one of the defenders and smashed into the top corner um and then it was taken back and given to the Chelsea free kick because of a foul on the keeper, which is ludicrous. I think this year they've um, told referees to sort of, you know, not give easy fouls, but, you know, that was the easiest foul they could have given. You know, historically, when keepers go down and, you know, with any slightest touch, they always, you know, give it um, in, in favour of the keeper. But it's absolutely ridiculous. And West Ham can rightly feel hard done by for not, you know, not getting a draw at least you know they probably even deserve to win but yeah definitely a draw i do i do believe after the game though it has been confirmed mendy has picked up a shoulder injury whether he'll be fit for midweek is probably it probably will be likely but he apparently has bruising bruising on his shoulder oh no so you know probably dropping mendy is probably not the worst thing in the world for chelsea at the moment um i don't think he's been in great form this season at all um he hasn't really inspired confidence in, in the back line. No. Um, while we are on Chelsea, I do want to just shout out the keeper we signed. Um, I think it's... Salonia. Salonia. He made a great save for Chicago Fire um, this weekend. Um, well-class save. So it's positive signs from Chelsea's signings. Yeah, I've seen a couple of his games. He does look... I mean, he's extraordinarily tall for an 18-year-old. Um but yeah, he does look quite good. It is the only in the MLS though, so you know, we'll see how well yeah, he can you... do on loan at Vitties next year. Should we talk about Bournemouth? I know we've alluded to them with Scott Parker, but yeah, this was an exceptional performance against um, Nottingham Forest. Twenty-one new signings. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Forest went two 0 up. Um, actually, played quite well in the first half, but then. Bournemouth, second half, I don't know what the team talk was or whatever they had in their, you know, half-time oranges, but it seemed to work, to be honest. And uh, Philip Billing, uh, Billing scored an absolutely phenomenal goal. Um, yeah. It'll be up there for goal of the season, I'm sure. Um, in the conversation, it was like a 30-yard smash into the top corner, um, which inspired a comeback. Uh, Solanke scored a beautiful bicey. You know, they'd be missing Solanke for the, re- for the start of the season. 
And, you know, although he hasn't really proved himself in the Premier League, uh, last year in the Championship, he got second uh, highest top scorer. You know, he would have you know, got top scorer if it weren't for that freak Mitrovic. Um, but, yeah, I'm very sure they'll be happy with him coming back into the side. Brings a focal point to their their attack. Um, and, you know, a win like this will sort of bring confidence to Bournemouth. Who, you know, after losing 9-0, you definitely need something to pick yourself up from and bounce back from. Um, yeah. And teams like Forest, are, are teams like Bournemouth can, in theory, get points against um, Forest are a little bit. You know, it will take them a while to the bed in the players. You know, whenever you sign 21 players or something, whenever that's happened before in history, it will take time to, you know, gel them all. <clears throat> I don't think all of them have started yet, but yeah, no. uh, Forest have got a, a while to go um, before we see what they can really do. You know, they should be safe, Forest, with the players and the quality they brought in. Bournemouth, there's a question marks around that. Um, but if they, you know, bring this sort of aggression and performance, particularly, you know, the ones that we saw in the second half of this game, then they could stay up. But yeah, good response from Bournemouth. The final game we'll probably mention on Saturday is Man City um, held 1-0 against Aston Villa. Proves that the machine that is Haaland and is Man City is um, stoppable. Yeah, well, to be honest, Villa should have got a win from this game. They got a goal disallowed by the referee. Um, yeah, it was pretty ridiculous. Coutinho um, had the ball. I think there was a an injury, an, uh, a foul in the build-up. Very slight one. Uh, or was it an offside? I can't remember now. But, I think it was an offside. Yeah, it might be an offside, which was... But it wasn't an offside. Which was, yeah, uh, unfairly given. And then uh, Coutinho still carried on and then scored an absolute cracker of a shot went in the top right corner. Um, so, yeah, we've seen some terrible uh, refereeing decisions throughout the whole weekend. Um, we'll get onto some uh, from today's game as well. But it really is, um, it's just quite unfair. You know, Villa played extremely well and for a team that has been in terrible form, a lot of people asking for their manager to be sacked and, and Gerard, they could have come away with a 2-1 victory against City which would have been a real statement. I mean even a draw against City is a statement but you know getting the, the three points would have been the icing on the cake. City were a little bit lackluster to be honest and in a lot of areas they were well matched by, by Villa. Uh, Haaland has scored. He did get one goal. He's on 10 goals in six games now. Do you think he'll break the Premier League record? No. No. No, and I have reasoning for this. So Pep, a um, bit of uh, fancy football advice here as well. So Pep has said in a press conference that Haaland will only be starting one game a week, so in seven days. So with these Champions League games, you've got to think that he will be starting Haaland in the Champions League. So... <laughs> Will this be a season where we will see only Haaland play half the number of games he would be playing because of the Champions League? Well, for, I think it... That's what you to decide you know, if you want you sure him it's in not your fancy team. sure it's not Pep just making, you know, mind games and trying to suss out you know, the opponent? Maybe. If he plays half the games, you know... I might just exclude the Champions League games. And if he just plays all the Premier League games, he'll definitely smash it. He's already like pretty much a third of the way there to, hmm. to break in the record. 
scored 10 goals. So I don't know. I wonder what the odds were at the start of the season because it probably would have been worth a cheeky £5. But. Um, let's move on to the Brighton versus Leicester game that ended 5-2, but it should have ended 6-2. Yeah, absolutely. What a game this was. Um, Leicester went into it, you know, dropping Jamie Vardy. He played midweek and I think that was the excuse by Rogers because he's, you know, they wanted a bit of freshness up front. But they went with the, the African pairing of Ian Acho and Pat Sandaka, uh, the Zambian and Nigerian. And they, you know, they started off really well. They combined well um, in the first minute. Uh, Dax and Pat, um, Pat Sandaka uh, crossed the ball uh, early to Ian Acho. He scored a tap in. And it looked like Leicester were going to, you know, go on a, a nice little game. You know, they look positive. Um, but Brighton being Brighton, um, Potter being Potter, uh, always confident in their abilities. And they just went on an absolute ride, to be honest. And yeah, as you said, it should have been six. Uh, McAllister uh, scored a goal, but there was an offside given. Enoch Mwepu tried to bice it from a, it was coming in from a, a free kick. He didn't touch the ball at all. Um, and then it was subsequently cleared by a, a lesser defender. Came to McAllister, he banged it in. Um, but because um, Wepu was uh, involved in the, the build-up and was in the offside position, it was given an offside, which was, you know, I would say it's harsh, but Brighton went on to win 5-2, so it doesn't really matter at the end of the day. But still, what a side Brighton has been this season. Uh, I know they lost early in the week, but you can't expect a side like this to win every game of the season. Um, but it has been impressive how they performed and how they've um, not only lost their major players in the window, but they've bounced back and become a better team from it. And I feel like, you know, losing all these players has sort of freed them up and maybe lifted a little bit of pressure from the players somehow. And they've gone out with, you know, all the confidence in the world and they're playing some phenomenal football with all the confidence. And it'd be really interesting to see how well they do come the end of the season because they could be really up there you know West Ham were there the last few seasons maybe Brighton have taken their spot you know reaching around you know the Europa League spots maybe even pushing for for Champo um, but yeah great for them and Brighton in general they made a 80 million pound profit in the window so they made about the most amount of money uh, Leicester actually made the second amount highest amount of money but you can see the real difference between the two teams Leicester are really out of sorts they weren't able to register um, face the new centre-back due to visa issues. Um, and Rogers had to play in DD um, for, you know, for a while, actually, at centre-back. Even though they've got actual centre-backs that they could play, it just shows how little faith he has in them. The likes of Ramati, um, who, to be honest, I, I don't rate at all. So, yeah, it's worrying signs to be a Leicester fan at the moment. They haven't won at all in six games. and They've only got one point and they're rock bottom of the Premier League. So just taking a minute just talk about Leicester how long do you give Rodgers before you sack him on this current form is it him or is it the club yeah that's a great question you know there's some similarities between Parker and Rodgers in how they conducted themselves in press conferences I feel like Rodgers is a little bit frustrated that's probably the right word with how the window has gone obviously they've not strengthened at all they let their best player go, or one of their best players. And they brought in a, a, a capable defender, but they have a lot of other spaces that need to you know, be upgraded and, and filled, a lot of holes to be filled. Um, so yeah, he's, he's, you know, he, he's got a right to be a little bit annoyed 
But, you know, Leicester have backed him over the years. It's nothing they can do because of FFP. They can't spend any more money. Maybe now that they've sold Fafana for, I don't know how many, 80 million or so, they will have the funds come January. But it is worrying. And yes, there is that side, but also they do have great talent still in their team. T. Lemons, mm. Harvey Barnes, Madison, all great players. Um, so yeah, it is a bit of both, I'd say. Just with, I mean, with Fafana, they sold him, what, the day before deadline day. So it didn't, I mean, they obviously were scouting centre-backs expecting Fafana to leave. Um, do you think they may have could have avoided this situation um, if they sold him a little bit earlier? I know Chelsea put in a number of bids throughout this transfer window. If they sold him maybe a week or two earlier, maybe they could have used that money to strengthen. Yeah. Especially knowing that they've lost Michael. Um, they lo- they're going to lose Fafana, bringing another centre-back maybe. I mean, I don't really rate Ward and um, bring another goalkeeper, maybe someone midfielder or something. Cause I know Tillismans and Madison were both linked as well. Mm. Are these players just demotivated or are they wanting to move elsewhere, especially Madison or Tillisman in January or next summer? They just want to ride this season and that's it. Well, I, I agree with you about, well, on the, on the Fafana topic, Usually with transfers, the later you leave it in the window, the more the buying club is willing to to spend, and particularly you know Chelsea and how they wanted that that particular centre back. Um, so if they sold him earlier, they probably would have got you know maybe ten million, fifteen million pound less. So maybe from the board's point of view, um, due to the FFP issues, they wanted to wait as long as possible. You know, if it came to the end of the window, they hadn't sold him, fine, they would be you know better off as a squad. But if they did sell him, they'd be better off financially. So there's a little bit of catch-22 there. Um, but yeah, a lot of these players have been at the club for a long time and there's still there's still a lot of quality in there and there's still a lot of assets they can sell on for, for profit. Tielemans has been touted to go to Arsenal for I don't know how many years now. And Madison has you know, been linked to Newcastle. I think there was a bid about 15, £50 million pounds that was rejected. So yeah, maybe it's the time for a refresh. We said after the FA Cup, uh, victory that maybe Rogers should have left on a high and maybe the squad should have gone through a rejuvenation stage but that is only with the power of hindsight nobody really could have predicted what could have happened Ward I agree with you in terms of the keeper and he, he's not great I'm not sure why they stuck with him I know they spent about 15 million from him a couple of years ago from Liverpool maybe it gave him the promise that he would be the starter once Schmeichel left but he was at fault for a couple of goals this this game so I don't know maybe they will let maybe one or two of Madison or Tillemans go and then use that money to alongside with the Fafana money to reinvest in both the January window although it is quite difficult to spend um, well in January because a lot of players are overpriced and maybe they'll wait until the next summer window but they just hope their hope would be to stay in the Premier League and to you know not be near or even in that relegation fight but at the moment it's not not looking too well. No. Um, let's move on to something a bit more positive for you. Um, United's win over Arsenal. United are really on a run um, and they've just stopped Arsenal's run. So, yeah, yeah, I think that's four on a bounce for you now. Yeah, I'm not saying it's convincing at all <laughs> how 
this run. Uh, don't want it to deceive anybody, or let alone myself, um, particularly of how how we started the season. You know, getting a three-one victory against Arsenal, who are probably the second best team in in the league. Well, first, well they were first in the league. Um, it's it's a great result. It's nice to see Anthony get a debut goal. To be honest, for the first fifteen minutes, United played incredibly well. Uh, nice movements of play, creating spaces. And then all of a sudden, Arsenal scored. It was a, like a through ball to Martinelli who scored. Um, but then it was taken back because it was a foul on Ericsson. Some people would argue it was very light and shouldn't have been taken back. I don't know. Yeah, there was a push. Uh, I think it was Zinchenko. It, it was definitely a foul. Um, so depending how you looked on it, it, it might feel a bit hard done by then uh, at that point. But then after that point, even though they had a goal disallowed, Arsenal came back and were dominant for most of the game actually I feel like seven tenths of the game maybe three quarters uh they were the better team Saka scored a goal which was sort of um, not the best defending and then United um, sat back a little bit and then just like absolutely pinged some beautiful balls forward um which allowed one of the times uh Rashford to run through and the second time Ericsson to run through and then cut it uh, back across to, to Rashford uh, so you end up getting a double. It wasn't a convincing performance by United because Arsenal were the better team throughout. Um, Jesus, I thought, played phenomenally well. He's been a revelation this season. His hold-up play was phenomenal in this game. The only thing lacking was the final end product. Um, and even though they lost 3-1 Arsenal, I feel like they can be very happy with their performance. They, yeah, On another day, they could have won. Um, I suppose in this game, the issue with, with Arsenal was they went, they used to make they wanted to make subs and they made these subs and it then changed the whole game plan. And I think that's what led you to get your third goal. Sort of opened Arsenal up. Um, they just had no quality of the players that came on. I think they've got a good start in 11, but their subs lack a little bit. And I think this is what's going to be their downfall later on in the season. Maybe. I feel like they've still got some good quality to bring on. Fabio Vieira, they spent £30 million on um, the Portuguese midfielder. But I feel like, you know, yeah, they weren't fresh when they came on and they sort of disrupted the play. Um, even United subs, when Maguire and Casemiro came on, you know, they almost gave away a goal just because, you know, how unfresh they were and, and, you know, coming into such a high intensity game. This game, though, did have a lot of quality throughout. I, I would say it, even if you were a neutral, um, it was a good game to watch in general. Um, and for both teams, even though Arsenal, as I said, did get the loss, both teams can take positives from this. There was nice patches of play from both teams. Arsenal on the ball looked very well, um, very good. Um, it's just that final, uh, you know, final third scoring, uh, which was a little bit lacking on the day. Um, and then there's just the counter-attacking pace of United um, disrupting them, um, particularly when Arsenal were pushing for that, for that elusive goal. Um, which made the difference. So yeah, positive signs from from both teams. Um, I think Ericsson got mad at the match because he he actually played really well. Um, his quality of mm. delivery of ball was was phenomenal, and it's it's nice to see United squad sort of taking shape um, and actually having an identity for once of how we want to play. And we've had that for a long time now. Yeah, and it's an amazing also the turnaround that you know United have gone under uh, since that four 0 defeat, and also against that. The Brighton game. So yeah, credit to Ten Hag as well. 
moving on from the Premier League, I believe you're going to do a quick roundup of La Liga, Bundesliga and Liga 1. So in terms of uh, Bundesliga, uh, I'll go through those games uh, first. On Friday, Borussia Dortmund beat Hoffenheim 1-0. Marco Royce got the sole goal in that. On Saturday, Freiburg three, uh, beat Bayern Leverkusen 3-2. Union Berlin drew 1-0 with Bayern Munich. Kimmich got the goal for, for Munich on the day. Bochum lost 2-0 to Werder Bremen. Uh, Wolfsburg lost two, uh, 4-2 to Cologne. Stuttgart drew 1-0 with Schalke. And uh, a big game for Eintracht Frankfurt as they came out 4-0 victors against Leipzig. On Sunday, uh, Hertha Berlin beat Augsburg 2-0. And Mainz beat Gladbach 1-0. Uh, in terms of La Liga, Celta Vigo won 3-0 against Cadiz. On Saturday, Mallorca won, uh, drew rather 1-0 with Girona. Real Madrid won 2-1 against Real Betis. Sociedad drew with Atletico Madrid 1-0. Uh, Sevilla came to a 3-0 defeat to Barcelona. On Sunday, Osasuna won 2-1 against Rayo Vallecano. Uh, Athletic, Athletic Bilbao lost 1-0 to Espanyol. Villarreal won 4-0 against Elche. And Valencia currently playing Getafe and winning 3-0. Uh, in terms of league, oh, Marseille continued their unbeaten uh, run with a 2-0 win against Auxerre. Olympic Lyonnais uh, won 5-0 against Angers in an emphatic game. Uh, Pierre beat Nantes 3-0. Neymar is on a crazy run of games at the moment. Um, seven goals, five assists in six games. And on Sunday, uh, Lille beat Montpellier 3-1. Lorient won one nil against Ajaxio. Clement Foot won two nil against Toulouse. Brest drew with Strasbourg one all. Stade Rene drew one all with Racing Club de Lens. Troy drew with Stade Rene. And Nice are currently playing Monaco, and that is nil nil at the moment. Uh, thank you for that. Let's move finally on to the Syria. Um, I'll just do a quick run through of the games that have played so far in this round of fixtures. So on Saturday, we had Florentina versus Juventus, which ended 1-0. AC Milan beat Inter 3-2. Napoli beat Lazio 2-1. And from today... Cremonese and Sassuolo. So is 0-0. Bionia and Spinero. Spezia is 2 all. Um, Hella Verona and Sampdoria is was two one to Hellas Verona, and Udinese are currently beating Roma one nil. Very interesting scores in the Syria, um, especially at the top. It's very very tight. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, it's uh, a, a great uh, season so far for any support of Syria. It's well worth a watch um, for people who are fans of football in general. Um, the top six is only separated. Actually, the top seven is only separated by two points. So, yeah, incredibly tight um, and very interesting. We had the Milan derby on Saturday, which is the game that I'd like to talk about, to be honest, because what a game yeah. that was. Such a, you know, historically uh, the biggest game in Italy. Um, and at the moment, we've had, you know, last season's winner, Versus the winner from two seasons ago of Syria, um, fight out at the San Sirio, San Sirio, the San Siro, um, ended two, uh, three, two to Milan. 
I want to point out Rafa Leal because, you know, his quality is absolutely outrageous. He's easily worth 150 million. And that's not even an exaggeration. His, his dribbling is probably top five in the world at the moment. His audacity to take on players is ridiculous. He's only 23 years old and, you know, the impression he's made is, is phenomenal uh, at the Milan club. Uh, he got two goals. <clears throat> One of them was absolutely um, outrageous left-footed strike, which sort of wrong-footed the keeper and went into the top corner. And then his second one was even nicer, which he he's, it showed his amazing footwork, how he dribbled round in such a tight um, defensive line round the defence and um, sort of bended it into the bottom corner. This kid's got everything. Um, and um, yeah, it'd be very interesting to see where he goes in his career. Hopefully he stays at Milan for a couple more years. But uh, yeah, one to watch out for, for sure, Rafa Leal. Yeah, I believe that was his 100th game in Syria and like the first two goals he scored in the Milan derby as well. So he's going he's gonna to have a bright future. Um, I think Chelsea were linked to him in the transfer window as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah, they were for sure. I think they even made a bid. Um, but the thing with, that worries me if he does go, does, did go to Chelsea was how would they use him? Because uh, he does operate best from the wide left position, more of a traditional you know, inside forward cutting in. Um, and I feel like maybe they would have used him as a strike or maybe as a more uh, central because, you know, for the front three Chelsea operate or have operated, they, you know, they play more of those sort of inside tens. But yeah, I don't know. Wherever Leakey goes to, I think he'd be an absolute monster. Um, Being a Chelsea fan, um, I reckon they'd probably use him at wing-back. Wing-back? That's where we seem to, like, oh use... <laughs> yeah, that's why. That, on, yeah, honestly. <laughs> that's why I was worried. Yeah, thank God they didn't sign him. That would have been like, oh my God. I'd... I've no words. If you played out a wing back, I would literally, I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> thank God that deal didn't go through. But what a fantastic game this was. You know, Brozovic got the early goal really early on, 21 minutes in. Um, he basically rode right through the defence. Uh, Milan's um, defensive pairing of Kalulu and Fikayo um, Tomori opened up. I think Tomori uh, went up to press um, and left a massive gap in defence. And then... Uh, Liao came in, did his thing, made it one all, and then Giroud, talking about Chelsea, uh, Giroud came in, yeah. scored a nice goal, and then Liao got the second, and then later on uh, Ed and Dzeko, uh came on and, and got the the second for Inter Milan. The 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 substitutions made um, by Inter Milan were quite actually positive, um, albeit a little bit late on in the game, and I feel like uh, AC's. Um, uh, substitutions weren't the best. Origi came on, and I feel it was a little bit too selfish. He tried too many um, shots. Uh, maybe when he should have, you know, either crossed it, and you know, later on in the game, he did have an opportunity where he should have probably ran to the corner and just um, held the ball there. But that is Origi, big game player. Um, probably wanted a, a late, uh, a late, you know, one to go or whatever. But also the later that day, we had Lazio, Napoli, both teams have the potential to win Serie A. Lazio have always been an outside choice, outside runner um, for contention to win it. But this year, they've been absolutely phenomenal. Jerry Mobley, of course, has been um, historically uh, one of the best Serie A strikers in history. He, he's won the Golden Boot, uh, the top scorer award 
I think two times. If he wins it this year, he, he levels the record. Um, but it was a battle between, on paper, Immobile and Osimhenem, um, two very good strikers, two very different strikers. One is clinical. Osimhenem is more of a physical striker who likes to um, dominate first with his presence and then, you know, score. Um, but Immobile is more like a clinical finisher. Um, but yeah, it was a great game in general, actually, uh, this one as well. Um, there's a guy that I can never pronounce his name. He's Georgian. Um, you probably know of him. Plays for Napoli. Kavicha, Kavaro Chevelia. That's how I'm going to say it. This guy is also, I know I pointed out Liao as being a phenomenal player, but this guy is also the dog's bollocks. He is, he's got four goals and one assist in five games. You know, they picked him up from super cheap from uh, the Georgian League because he had to go there after uh, leaving Russia due to you know, the, the issues going on there. So they picked him up reasonably cheap for about 15 million or so. But this guy's probably worth 50 or 60 now. He is absolute class. Um, he, he he tackled one of the players from about 40 yards out, ran just a little bit, had a long shot, bounced off the post, and he almost scored a wonder goal. I mean, yeah. Here's one to watch out for. There's two players that I just mentioned, Liao and Kavarish Shalia. We need a nickname for him, that's for sure. <laughs> but these two players, yeah, these are going to go on for, to do great things. So, um, yeah, if you're watching or listening to this podcast in 50 years' time, you'll have known where these guys have gone and you could probably see how many Ballon d'Ors they've won um, <laughs> if they win any. Um, but, yeah, great game this um, and a great demonstration of what Serie A is. Nowadays, or historically, rather, Serie A used to be quite a low-scoring league, uh, maybe like one, two goals on average. But nowadays, it's the uh, second-highest top-scoring league, just behind the Bundesliga, sometimes even surpassing the Bundesliga. So if anybody you know, wants to watch an interesting game, stick on a Serie A game. There's always seven, maybe eight uh, possible challenges for Serie A. So yeah, always fun to watch. I believe in the UK you can watch those on BT Sports, which this isn't advertised. Um, this isn't paid for. It's part but... partnership. Yes. Um, yeah, Serie A is looking a uh, nice league. It's one of the most competitive for the title. Um, yeah, you, you probably will end up with a two, three horse race, but at the moment you've got about seven or eight clubs that are all within a game to go top, um, I believe Napoli are currently top with AC Milan. But yeah, I think that wraps up about all the major leagues um, this week. Yeah. But we've got one more thing to mention. Champions League is around the corner um, and starts on Tuesday. So now we've mentioned every team, Toby, who is going to be your winner? For the Champions League? You know, I had a team in mind last week and I've changed it now. Last week I did say Manchester City. Oh, I didn't say it, but I was thinking Manchester City. But now I feel like I want to go boring and go for Real Madrid um, just because of the experience and, you know, I don't know. And also Bayern Munich as well. <laughs> but if I have to pick one, <laughs> if I picked one, and I was a boring sod, which I am, I would go Real Madrid, because yeah, yeah, they got they've done it before many times. Unfo unfortunately, um, 
I would go exactly the same as well. Um, I believe with City, they're not a cup team, they're a league team. I, I stand by that. Yeah, yeah, They will get far in this competition, but I don't think they'll win it. I agree. I get. I think they'll get to quarters, maybe even semis. Actually, probably semis. Um, but yeah. Who do you think will be and top scorer? Top scorer. We're going to pick the same person, I bet. I'm going to go for Benzema. Okay, we're not. I'm going to go for Haaland, just because I feel like you're banging a lot of, a lot of goals early on in the competition against the so-called lesser sides. I think I think Benzema will definitely get a, get a few as well. Um, mm, it's be interesting. He had a good season last season, and as far as I've seen, he's still on that run. So, yeah, yeah, the, especially scoring, especially yeah. if they go if they go far, they're gonna he's gonna be it. But my final Champions League question for you is a bit of a rogue one, but who is going to be the team that? is like they create they don't go far in the competition but they cause a couple of upsets so like last season we had sheriff come and beat real madrid well sheriff are in the europa league this year so maybe they'll cause an upset in upset in that competition um but in terms of uh the champions league i feel like one of the either the scottish teams have an opportunity to make a real impact at their home games i feel like they'll be really dominant uh it's always really difficult to to play teams in Scotland just due to their fans and how passionate they are and how intimidating the atmosphere is so I feel like there might be some upsets I know Celtic play Real Madrid at home this Tuesday so maybe we'll see an upset in that game maybe that'll be my hot tip Celtic 2-1 or maybe even a draw that'll probably be an upset at least Um, but going forward in the competition who do I think maybe has the opportunity to make a real upset Hmm, maybe Milan with their quality I'll go. I'll just say Scottish Scottish teams. See how fun. Yeah, I be. think they'll be fun to watch. I think like Rangers, they've coming in on this hot sort of form. Um, I think they've got like twelve. Rangers have got twelve unbeaten records at home. Yeah. Um, in UEFA competitions, they, well, they, so... they did get smashed by Celtic on the weekend four 0 Side note. Mm. Um, but, <laughs> yeah, but they did it, get to the final of a major competition last year. So maybe they'll continue mm. that and get to the final of the Champions League this year. You heard it here first on the <laughs> No, it's going to be a big episode next week with the, obviously the opening of the Champions League and also domestic league football happening. Mm. So yeah, stay tuned for that as well. Yes. Yeah. So as we've got busy week, um, for transfers, I know we normally mention them at the end. Uh, transfer window has now ended. Uh, if you want to keep up to date, as we mentioned at the beginning, you can check out our previous episode, which was a bonus episode, all based on transfers and a roundup of what has happened. Um, the best place to keep up to date with articles is the pitchsider.com, um, and there should be an updated gossip column for this week. Yep. Um, and yeah, contact us on our socials, um, Instagram and Twitter, which is the Pitch Cider. And yeah, hope you have a good week. Watch a lot of football. Um, and we'll be back here next Monday to keep you up to date with everything that has happened in the past week. Um, thank you for joining me this week, Toby. Thank you. Thank you for joining me, Joe.
And thank you to listener for listening. And goodbye. Goodbye.